Every woman has a relationship with Aunt Flo. That's the name the women in my family gave her. Maybe yours did too. But what happens when that relationship gets complicated? What's your overreaction? Welcome to your safe space to wrestle, reconcile, relish, and rejoice in the complicated relationship we have with our reproductive health. It's storytelling with a side of science. You're now listening to Overreaction by Tanil Daniels. Hey, hey, it's your chief storyteller, Tanil Daniels, and I want to welcome you to the Overreaction Podcast. Happy New Year, y'all. It's 2022, and I'm going to do better. One of my words for this year is consistency. Consistency in bringing you this podcast and exercising regularly and eating right and getting my finances in order. I want to consistently put into practice those things that I need to do in order to achieve the goals that I've set for myself. Consistency. The last time I was here was back in November, and that was after a one month break in between episode one and two. But honestly, your girl was worn out. By the time December came around, I felt like I had literally hit a wall. I was done. Between work drama and life and this fertility journey, I unfortunately didn't have the mental and emotional stamina to come on this podcast to share my story with you all. So I gave myself some time to rest, reflect, and recharge. And now your girl is back. Let me say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I actually went to Carolina Kitchen the other day. I guess that doesn't go with the eating um, well part of my goals for this year. But um, it was, it might have been, no, it actually was on the second day of 2022. But I digress. Um, I went into Carolina Kitchen and they were like, welcome, welcome, welcome. So that made me think and want to say to you all, thank you, thank you, thank you Um, to all of you all who reached out to me and tapped your good sister on the shoulder looking for the next episode of the podcast. It lets me know that what I'm sharing is resonating with you. I know our wounds and what we want to do with them and what's going right or wrong with them is not always something that we share widely, but I do truly believe that God has me on this journey, not only for me. Because this journey can be lonely at times and can breed feelings of isolation, even with the most amazing and dynamic support system, I just want to say if you all have feedback, words of encouragement, questions, or even just need to vent, please feel free to holler at your girl. I am here and I welcome all of it. As we enter the new year, I have set an intention um, to really put myself first, which is something that I have struggled with for a good long while. I told myself that I was going to put myself on strike, or maybe we'll say, we'll call it timeout for the first 90 days of the year. My goal is to put all of my time and energy on doing things that I want and need to do for me. I got a little bit of a wake up call over the holiday break. My blood pressure is high and that is not something that you want to have um, while you're on this fertility journey. So it means that I need to focus on eating right, exercising, more rest, and less stress. 
I never wanted to be on blood pressure medication, and here I am. So I got to take time to focus on being the best tea I can be for the journey. All right, y'all, it's story time. months since the last episode, let's recap episode two, The Roadmap. I use the analogy of preparing to go on a long road trip. Quick side note, a cross-country trip in an amazing RV or Airstream is definitely one of those things on my bucket list. Before you can go on any long road trip, you definitely have to take your car to get a complete workup. This lets the mechanic assess your ride to determine if maintenance or other major fixes are needed prior to your departure. This is what your body requires before you embark on your fertility or family planning journey. You have to know what it is you're working with. So on the episode, I discuss how to go about finding the right fertility clinic and doctor. And then once you do that, the um, assessment process or the workup that you may go through um, with your doctor to develop your fertility roadmap. Back in October of 2020, I began that assessment process. And that's where our story begins today. This is episode three, Tubes Are Better Than One. It's November 2020, and I'm waiting for Aunt Flo to show up so I can call to schedule my initial fertility assessment. They tell you to call on your first full day of flow so they can get you scheduled for day three blood work and ultrasound. The blood work checks for the follicle-stimulating hormone, commonly known as FSH, the luteinizing hormone, which I don't think I had ever heard of, um, which causes the ovaries to release an egg during ovulation, um, the estradiol hormone testing, and the anti-malarian uh, hormone testing as well. That's uh, commonly known as AMH. Um, They also check for your testosterone levels, your progesterone levels. Um, They check your thyroid, etc. There's a a number of things that they're checking for in your blood work. They also want to perform an ultrasound to get an assessment of ovarian volume and antrial follicle counts. Um, Basically, the number of follicles on your ovaries um, during uh, your period can give some indication of how many eggs uh, you produce um, during the ovulation period. So in between my November 2020 period and my December period, I had to have my um, IUD, which is an inner uterine device, um, and I was on Mirena at the time. I had to have that removed. Um, since my endometriosis diagnosis, I have been on some form of birth control. Um, most of the time, it has been an IUD. It was really less about pregnancy prevention and more to try to keep my endometriosis under control. My December period arrived a couple weeks before Christmas, um, so I called Shady Grove on day one um, to schedule my hysterosalpingogram, um, or my HSG test, uh, which is done in order to assess the anatomy of the endometrial cavity of the uterus and the fallopian tubes. Um, The HSG is usually scheduled between days 6 and 13 of your cycle um, after bleeding and before ovulation. 
My HSG uh, procedure was scheduled a few days before Christmas. Um, So I drove myself out to Shady Grove in Rockville. Um, That's where they do a majority of their procedures. I check in and I'm, you know, then greeted by a nice nurse who takes my vitals, gives me a gown to change into, and then preps me for the procedure. Uh, I enter the room and climb up on the table. Um, There's a team of providers there to support the procedure. Um, The doctor comes over and he tells me, you know, what he's going to do and what to expect. Uh, And of course, I brace myself like I always do when I go to the GYN and they say they're uh, about to insert the dreaded speculum or the probe. Um, So, we go ahead and and uh, get the process started. So the doctor places the speculum into my vagina, and um, they do that to visualize the cervix. He then either used a softened catheter, um, which is placed through the cervical opening into the uterine cavity, or an instrument called a tenaculum, um, which is placed on the cervix, and then a narrow uh, metal cannula is inserted through the cervical opening. I gave both of those options because I'm not exactly sure which one um, was used the day of my procedure. Contrastor dye is then slowly injected through the cannula or catheter into the uterine cavity. An x-ray picture is taken as the uterine cavity is filling with the dye. And then additional contrast is injected to see if the tubes are beginning to fill and spill into the abdominal cavity. More x-ray pictures are taken as this fill and spill occurs. If the fallopian tubes are open, dye fills the tubes and spills into the abdominal cavity. As I laid on the table and watched the screen, um, I could see the fill and spill that was taking place. There was spillage on the left side and very slight spillage on the right. The doctor shares with me his initial observations and then says he would send the x-rays over to my doctor and that she would reach out to me later um, with the final results. Later that day, as I was driving home to get dressed to head to an event with my brother, I got the phone call from my doctor. She said that the procedure showed that although my right fallopian tube was not totally blocked, it was filled with fluid and that during the IVF process or any pregnancy, um, really, if that fluid leaked into my uterus, it could impact my ability to conceive or to maintain a pregnancy. She said that the right tube would need to be removed. Chow, at that moment, in my head, I'm thinking she wants to take my tube. She then goes on to say that she doesn't do those types of procedures, um, but I could go to my reproductive endocrinologist to have it done, or she could recommend um, someone who could take out or remove the tube. She also shared with me that since I was going to have to have the tube removed, IUI, um, otherwise known as intrauterine insemination, um, which is usually a a least expensive option, um, would not be option that would be available to me and that IVF um, in vitro fertilization would have to be my course of action. During this call, she also shared with me that the ultrasound that I had had done um, showed multiple ovarian cysts not consistent with endometriomas. Um, Endometriomas are a type of cyst that forms uh, when endometrial tissue uh, grows in the ovaries. Um, And so she wanted me to have a pelvic MRI done to make sure it wasn't anything serious that required additional uh, follow-up. I hung up feeling a little discouraged and defeated, like it's always something. 
Um, so I gave myself a few days to kind of wallow in that. And then um, I sprang into action. Uh, so I scheduled my MRI, which I had done in DC, and then worked with my um, reproductive endocrinologist in Lutherville. You're probably like, where is Lutherville? Um, it's in Baltimore County near Towson uh, to schedule the surgery to have my right fallopian tube removed. Um, and to make matters worse, like during this process, Greater Baltimore Medical Center, um, which is uh, where my uh, reproductive endocrinologist is uh, affiliated with, was going through like, or they were in the midst of a ransomware attack. And so they did not have access to the majority of their system. So we had to do a majority of our scheduling and correspondence through email because for a while their phone systems were down. Um, And then there was very limited access to my medical records. Y'all, scammers get on my daggone nerves. Like... Come on, use all of that smart for something good. Um, And this occurred for like, I want to say probably two months. They didn't have access or their, you know, their systems were down, um, which was not only a pain for me, but I'm sure was a, a major pain to the system. So I entered 2021 um, with basically my roadmap. Um, The first stop along the journey was to have that fallopian tube removed, and we had scheduled that procedure for February the 9th. Um, A couple days before surgery, I headed up to GBMC um, for my pre-op appointment, which of course included a COVID test. Um, They took my blood pressure, my temperature, they did an EKG test, um, and a few other like vital sign-ish tests to ensure that my body was ready um, for the anesthesia and surgery. Um, The pre-op appointment went well, so the next kind of milestone in that process was the day of prep. If you've ever had surgery, which requires um, like abdomen or rectal entry, and I don't know if they do this for other surgeries that don't require abdomen or rectal Um, entry, but I think that that's what I thought in my head. There is mandatory bowel prep that you have to do. The combination for this surgery was not as bad as um, it was for a colonoscopy, which I have had, I think, two of them in my lifetime. Um, But it was still bad nonetheless. It consisted of a liquid-only diet the day before, which included like um, broth, vegetable broth, chicken broth, um, and Italian ice. There may have been a couple of other things on that list, um, combined with taking a Marilax powder that you can mix with apple juice. Um, They tell you to drink like 64 ounces. Maybe it wasn't that much, but it is hell trying to get that nasty stuff stuff down. Praise God, I made it. So, you know, the night before, kind of even that morning of, you're basically just going to the bathroom like crazy to to clean your body out. Um, So that day, really the day before surgery, um, I spent it at my parents' house because, you know, being a a single woman, they are my support system and who I list as my emergency contact. Um, So I went down there, stayed with them, did all of the prep there. Um, They both came with me uh, to the surgery like they had done many times before. Um, I've had a couple of surgeries um, during this kind of reproductive health journey. Uh, My call time was 7 a.m. We live in Southern Maryland, so we left the house around 5.30 that morning um, to head to Baltimore. 
And prepping for surgery, like that morning of, I always like to arrive comfortable, right? And in a positive posture, um, you know, for all that is going to be done, um, you know, during the procedure. Um, So that morning, I wore some navy leggings with a sweatshirt that read grateful because despite the circumstances, I was adamant that I was going to remain grateful. My parents dropped me off um, because, again, COVID, um, and then they spent the next several hours eating breakfast, going shopping, etc., to pass the time away. I walked into that hospital, just me and God, because God is my partner, ready just to complete the next step in the process. I spoke to my doctor to go over the surgery plan and she told me that, you know, she would see me on the table and, you know, all would be well. Um, and then the nurse came and, and finished prep. And as we were walking um, back to the room for surgery, the power went out. It immediately came back on. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, my goodness, is this some type of sign? Um, so the nurse took me back to the prep prep area uh, until they could confirm that the power was good to go because the last thing that you want to happen, although they do have generators, is to be on the you know surgery table and the power goes out. That's the last thing that I needed. Um, but I go into the room. Finally, they go through the process. Um, and all in all, the surgery went well. Uh, after surgery, when I was able to talk to my doctor, she told me that the tube was actually a mess. That's exactly what she says. Said this doctor, she holds no cut cards. Um, so she was really glad that it was removed. Um, in this case, two tubes <laughs> is not better than one. Y'all know I'm super corny, and so that's where I got today's title for the episode. Um, I headed back to my parents' house to recover um, from the surgery and was showered with soup and a soupy banana split um, by my two lovely line sisters um, and sister friends, Andrea and Maddie. Andrea drove all the way from D.C. to um, Akakik to drop off two amazing soups. Um, and then Maddie brought my boo, um, Ellie boo, down to see me and um, brought a soupy banana split because she knows that I love banana splits but did not think that there was a Baskin Robbins near my house. And so she drove with the banana split for, I think, 40 minutes. So you can imagine the banana split when I got it, but I was just so happy that, um, you know, to see them um, for the support and the love um, because it was important for them to bring me things that were going to cheer me up after the procedure. So I want to publicly thank them um, and everyone else who knew what was going on with me during that time and offered their prayers and their support um, during the process. So now we're on to the next stop in the journey. And that's where today's story will end. Before I go, you know I have to tell you this week's song of the episode, which is Grateful by Hezekiah Walker and the Love Fellowship. 
I talked about the grateful sweatshirt I wore to surgery and how it was and continues to be an important part of my journey to affirm myself, encourage myself, hype myself up, whether it's through a grateful sweatshirt to remind me to be grateful um, for the journey or the Jesus Be Knowing bracelet by my girl Summer Theodore. Go check her out at Jesus Be Knowing um, that I wore to my pre-op appointment. I just want to remain in a posture of gratitude. And so um, Grateful is a beautiful worship song um, that puts me into that posture. If you've never heard it, um, you know, I was going to sing it for you, but then I was like, should I spare them? But this is the pod- my podcast. So if you don't like my singing, I apologize in advance. There's a line in the song that says, flowing from my heart is gratefulness. And so even though that dye wasn't flowing like it should have been from my right fallopian tube, I am grateful that I had that tube removed, which will give me a better chance to prayerfully conceive a healthy baby. No matter the issue or the circumstance, like I said, it's important to remain in a posture of gratitude because if you're still breathing, there is something to be grateful for. You can hear this song and the many others that have served as the soundtrack for me on this journey by searching for Overreaction, the podcast playlist on Apple Music and Spotify. There are also links to the playlist in the show notes. All right, y'all, until next time, and I promise it won't be a month, remember, stand in your story so you can boldly and confidently show up in the world. I love y'all. For the loyal listeners that may want a little laugh, here's an outtake. Grateful, 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 gratefulness is flowing from my heart. Thank you for listening to Overreaction by Tanil Daniels. Love what you heard? Go ahead and subscribe, share, rate, and review. Also, I want to hear your overreaction. So head over to TennilDaniels.com and click the podcast tab to share yours. Remember, stand in your story, show up in the world.